Now, you take the next few chapters and you look at the life of Abraham, you'd think, well, this great promise has been made to him. You're, you're, you're going to be this great nation. And you'd think that he's on easy street. But in reality, what happens over the next seven chapters is uh, it's just one difficulty after another. Uh, he has a great conflict with Lot, and they have to separate him from different ways. Uh, he has a conflict with King Abimelech uh, that he's in conflict with. There's the conflict and the difficulty with Hagar and Sarah and Ishmael, and they have to split up and go their separate ways. Uh, it's just one thing after another after another. And if you read the next seven chapters, it's just a roller coaster of life where it's, it's anything but easy, it's anything but straightforward, it's anything but a pain in the neck. And then we come to chapter 21. And in chapter 21, the covenant, God, God renews the covenant with him again. And he promises him again, I'm with you. And it says in Genesis 21, the last verse of the chapter, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines for a long time. And we read that, we go, okay, he planted a tree. That's great. Went down to Callaway's and picked up a red tip patini and planted it in the front yard. I'll kind of remember good Lord and me had a conversation here that day. Okay. We'll come back to that in just a minute. When I work with churches that are in transition like this, and we've been working on this deal now for eight months, and we're at a point where we're deep into the healing process and deep into the transitional process and we're talking about how do we how do we move forward how do we relaunch whatever you want to call that rebirth whatever maybe it doesn't matter what you call it i'm just going to speak from my heart this morning i don't know what else to do i'm i'm your consultant and, and there's a word about consultants and therapists we're not supposed to fall in love with our client uh, and I have really, truly fallen in love with my client. Uh, I truly love this Gilman Church of Christ. Uh, you all are very, very special to me. Uh, so the things that I say to you this morning, very briefly, I just got three quick points, are said not out of strictly analysis. They're said out of a sense of spiritual and, and emotional commitment I have to you all as a congregation. I just fall in love with the Church of Christ. My recommendations to you, to begin with, and we'll talk more about this in the weeks to come, but my first recommendation to you would be to begin thinking of Skillman in terms of an inner core and an outer core, if we were to launch. An inner core and an outer core. A lot of the churches that I work with that transition and they move ahead hang on to their heritage. They hang on to what made them who they are, their theology, their beliefs, their traditions, those kinds of things, their, their services. 
they hang on to that core. And the people that have built that church from the get-go were able to come to church there and say, this is familiar to me, this is where I put my feet down, this is what church is for me. That's that inner core. But they're able to add to that a more innovative, a different, a more um, perhaps challenging outer core. They do some things a little bit different to complement that inner core. And the two of those learn to mutually coexist. And they bless one another. Because you've got to have both in this world today, in my estimation. A number of years ago, my daughter got into riding English Western Pleasure. We bought some horses. Eventually, uh, the barn went out of business. And I opened up a riding school. I know I don't look like it, but I've got a very strong redneck gear in me. And I had a John Deere tractor. And I would go out, we had a big riding program, we had about 25 horses, we had about 60 little girls in a riding program, and I had, a, I had one of the finest riding schools in Oklahoma City. And I had this John Deere tractor, and my job was to go out and to get the uh, riding arena ready for those girls to take their lessons. And when it rained, like it was right this morning, I'd have to get out and I'd have to put that tractor in the first gear, my granny gear. And I'd lay that plow down and just real slowly have to churn up to eight inches deep. And just was real, 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 real slow. When I got that done though, and I got it broken up, I had to shift it into fifth gear. And that, that faster gear took that topsoil and turned it into power. So that those horses, when they land, there was some there was some shock absorbing that they got. Question. How many years did I have on that tractor? Five. I was using two that morning. How many tractors did I have? Just one. So my point is a lot of the churches that I work with are able to transition into a new era of their history not by changing tractors. They're still the same tractor. It's still the same church. They just add what? They just shift gears. They just learn to adapt and adopt another gear. And the first gear blesses the second gear, blesses the third gear, blesses the fourth gear, because we all realize we're all breaking up dirt. You gotta have an earned PhD to say stuff that profound. <laughs> And so my best advice to you as we get started down this path of rebirth and relaunching is that we develop some new gears. We develop some new approaches to ministry. We do some things a little bit different from what we've done before. And if I'm comfortable in first gear or second gear, I allow third or fourth gear to exist and we bless one another. Does that make sense? And I think that's a part of the DNA that has made Skillman 100 years old. I could be wrong. But I think we've done that before. That's number one. Number two. It's my firm belief that um, Skillman is actually ahead of the curve in where we are right now. Ahead of the curve. What do I mean by that? Church history right now is in the emergence of a new era. The world that we grew up in of church history was the Christian era. 
and it extended for hundreds of years where Christianity and the culture were commingled. That's the world I grew up in. What's emerging now is a postmodern era where to be a Christian in some sections of the community is affirmed, to be a Christian in some sections of the community is indifference, and to be a Christian in some sections of the community is to be hostile and be an enemy. We're living in a whole new world. We're living in a whole new era. And what that will look like, we won't know in my lifetime, or yours probably. Lauren Mead, who is a writer and has studied churches in America now for 75 years as a consultant like I do, and the guy's got a brain bigger than this room. Lauren Mead said, we're in the emergence of a whole new era. And we are the midwives to what ministry will look like. We're delivering the baby. And we don't know what it's going to look like. And what, what we're doing is we are, we are deconstructing old models and reconstructing new ones. The good news about Skillman is we've done the deconstruction. It's deconstructed, folks. What we've got, and I'm not joking and I'm not being pessimistic here, what is left works. The people that are here want to be here, and the ministries that are operating still operate very well. CDC and our missions and seniors, we've deconstructed, we've taken it, we've taken the furniture down to the bare wood. We've taken the home down and pulled everything out, and now all we've got to do is what? All we've got to do is rebuild. Yeah. Because we've taken it down to foundation. What works, works. And now we can rebuild an adult ministry. We can rebuild a couple's ministry. We can rebuild a youth ministry. We can rebuild a community outreach ministry. That can be done. There will be churches that encounter this challenge that you all have been in for the last couple of years. They're going to do it in three years, in five years, in ten years. You're just ahead of the power curve. Does that make sense? And so if, if it's possible to walk into that deconstruction process and walk out reconstruction, what would that mean? Could mean some very powerful things. Could mean that the people I okay, I'm just a dumb going off here. But I keep meeting people here and outside of Skillman that one love Skillman, are two incredibly great thinkers, and three have marvelous ideas. And they're talking to me all the time, here and out there. And they're saying, I've got a heart for Skillman, I love Skillman, i got some great ideas and they have energy. And if I could just get them all together, focus the same direction, oh my gosh! Drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll leave that alone. I told you I was going to do this morning. So one is the blessing of an inner core and an outer core.
the idea that we could have different gears and bless the divergence of that. Number two, the reframing of these events, not as deconstruction, but it's just a prelude to the next era of reconstruction. It occurs to me that we may have been given a remarkable gift. I've run therapists for a living. That's what I do. So people come in to me and they want to be counselors and I take them through classes and programs and we turn them into a family and marriage shrinks. They're crazy people. You know how you can find the best work that a therapist has done, can do? Sometimes the best work that a therapist can do is you look back in their life and you see where they were wounded. You see the problems that they went through. You see the things that they survived. And then they come to graduate school to get some training. And then when they're talking to that person about that problem, they're not just coming from academics, they're coming from their life. I was put up for adoption when I was born. I spent the first year in foster care. I'm an adopted kid. You put me in a room full of adopted kids, whether they're 60 or six years old, and we're resonating with one another. Why? Because we've lived that path. Does that make sense? What does that have to do with skillman? It's really interesting. If you've got your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians with me. Um, I want to go and show you a passage here. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Beginning in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He's, he's taking the Corinthian church that has just been divided over the Lord's Supper and the use of gifts and, and, and leadership and, and adultery and lawsuits, and they were a mess. And they lived through it and they worked through it, and they come out and write 2 Corinthians. And he looks at them and he said, because you guys have been through some tough times, you've been given the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, what he's saying is, you know what divided is. You can do united because you've lived it. You've lived it. And the Skillman Church sits in a city that is dramatically divided. We're divided over race. We're divided over economics. We're divided over politics. We're divided over you're going to go for the Dallas Cowboys or the San Francisco 49ers. Cool. I, I personally think if you've got a Pittsburgh Steelers fan sticker on the back of your car, you shouldn't get a state inspection approval in Texas. <laughs> Well, 
But my point to this is very, very clear. We understand differences. We understand not wanting to get back in the car with one another. Right? But if we can move... If we can get to unity, we have a connection with the community that is unlike people who have never been through this. And that should be our outreach. It should be into the division of this city and sitting down with our legs under a table with a cup of coffee with people that are totally different from us and saying, tell me about your life. That's what the last two years could mean. A ministry of reconciliation. Abraham planted the tamarisk tree. The Jews say that a Jewish man plants the tamarisk tree for his grandchildren. The tamarisk tree grows in arid regions in the desert, and it barely grows at all. And when Abraham planted that tree, he knew he would never rest in the shade of that tree. And his kids wouldn't either. His grandkids would rest under that tree. What he was saying to God was, after you gave me the promise, and I've been through all of this upheaval in my life, I believe you. I am putting down roots here. You have my commitment. I am with you. My children are with you. My grandchildren are with you. We are there. And that's what we have the opportunity to think about doing as a church. We may not see what restarting Skillman means. My grandchildren will live to the year 2110. I'll be long gone. But the things we do right now could put a whole new set of trees in the yard. Right? I believe in it for three reasons. It's very simple. Number one, for the love of God. Number two, for the love of Dallas. And number three, for the love of Skillman. And that's where my heart is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the families and the people here today. Thank you for the sacrifices and the commitments they've made to this church through the years. Thank you for their love.
love of this congregation. Father, we're grateful for all the ways that people have brought their gifts of all different sort into this church. Father, we're praying now for your wisdom and guidance as we move forward. We don't have the answers. We don't know how this is going to walk out. We don't know what to do. And so we call upon your wisdom and your guidance because you know far well more than we do. But our faith is in you. And from that, we take courage and hope that whatever you bring to us, we will have the faith to receive. We pray these things in the Spirit and through the Son and all God's people say it.